You remember the last time we got together? And I think that's been about two weeks. I told you a friend of mine had their car actually stuck in ice on the street. Well, there's a whole lot more to that. Uh, come on in. Let's talk about it. everybody, I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training, located in the Medford-White City area of Southern Oregon. Well, the big news has been the weather. Currently, as we speak, Southern California is getting hammered with uh, record rainfall and even some actual hurricane warnings, which is something you hardly ever see on the West Coast. And up in Portland, it was quite the nightmare. Uh, my friends, some family actually, went out to check on their car and found out not only was the tire flat, but the car was buried in two inches of ice because of backed up water on the street that froze really, really hard. Which is what ice does, I guess, huh? Yeah. So this led to an interesting discussion. We got a panicky phone call. Oh my gosh, we don't have a spare tire. I don't see how that's possible, but they showed us a picture, actually, and there was no spare tire in the back. Uh, YouTube helped us out on this. You could read your owner's manual, my owner's manual, or mom. If you've got a question, ask mom. Works for guns, works for cars, works for a lot of things. Ended up finding out they have a Kia, and they do have a spare tire, and it's under the car, and there's a release on the inside of the car where a old guy like me might normally look for the spare tire. And that was just delightful. They indeed did have a spare tire. And all they had to do is chip the car out of the ice. But this led to a discussion on spare tires. Both my wife and I have a car and we are going to make sure we are outside checking to see that A, we know where it is and how to get to it, B, it's in good shape, and C, it's fully inflated. Now, a couple of people I've been talking to about this are not real happy because they've got donut tires. Those are the little tiny tires that you can use to, until you can get to a real tire shop. A lot of problems with those, aside from the fact I just don't like them. Uh, you have to be ready for compromised handling, cornering, and braking when you're using a, a, one of those little tiny tires. You have to drive substantially slower. You should top out at no more, no higher than 50 miles per hour. You can go less distance, 50 to 70 miles you must have a guardian angel because that's about all you should be able to get. So if you're driving from uh, Oregon to Chicago, you should probably make uh, a visit to a Les Schwab uh, near you and uh, get yourself a real tire. That's why a spare is so important. Not so much for around town, but when you get going from point A to point B, makes things a lot simpler. And you have to also be aware your traction and stability control systems won't be working properly with an odd-sized tire. I also found out that uh, there are some cars out there, and you people know who you are, they don't have any spare tire at all. You open a little compartment, and there's a can of what I call spray and pray. It's inflatable sealant you put in your tires and then drive, and supposedly it'll get you to the next service station. 
uh, depending upon where that is and if that service station actually is able to sell you and install a tire. Let's pause for laughter on that point. So the final thing on spare tires, aside from checking them, locating them, etc., uh, can you buy a real tire? Because a couple people, that was our original plan. Well, if you don't have a spare tire, let's either go to the dealer, who I found out doesn't sell just the tire and rim, or a auto parts yard, uh, junkyard if you prefer, and buy a tire. And now you've got a real size tire made for your vehicle, and it's full size and it's fully inflated. In some cases, it won't fit. Most of us have that little thing under the floor mat. Tire locks down, screws in, part of the jack is there, and boom, you're ready to go. In some cases, the big tire won't fit. So now you've got this fairly substantial weight sliding around in the back of your car. I would have to, I think that could possibly, I'm guessing it could be illegal, but it's definitely not safe. Now, two other things while we're on the subject of tires and tire inflations. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know I have in my trunk a little pump. It plugs into the cigarette lighter and you attach it to the tire. You say, I want, in my case, 35 pounds per square inch. Push a button and it will pump up your tire. It is not like going to the tire shop or having a compressor and it just fires it up. It takes a few minutes, but as someone who actually had to pump up a tire with a bicycle pump, it certainly beats the alternative. So that's in my trunk. And another thing I found really useful is a uh, jump starter. You can buy dedicated jump starters, and they run between $120, and $25. Uh, as you may expect, the $25 models I have found get consistently lower reviews and have more problems. The one I have is around $60, $65, and it's built for my car. That's the second thing that's really important to consider. If you have a small subcompact car, a little Toyota, a little Kia, something like that, uh, an Escort, you don't need as big or as powerful a battery jump starter as you do if you've got a 4x4. And if you've got a diesel truck, you've got some research to do because diesels are a whole different game. So depending on the car, this is something I would ask my auto shop person, maybe the dealer, or a good reliable auto shop or a mechanic you have a good relationship with. So if you're going to get a good jump starter, make sure it's rated and it's kept charged. And I really shouldn't have to say that, but too often people will get things and they go in the trunk and, oh, yeah, fine, they'll be good. No, if you can't, if your car won't start, you can't plug it in and charge it off the car. So, yeah, let's keep tires, uh, keep them keep them spinning, keep them round all the way around, and you'll be in, in pretty good shape. The reason I've been gone for uh, two weeks, and I do apologize for that, I had, first of all, the problems up in Portland, the internet being down, ice storms, uh, rain, bad weather, and dealing with family and aftercare issues for that. And secondly, I had to have uh, two toenails taken off. Now, 
normally people make that kind of face when you tell them I had your toenails taken off. Had to do it. It was it was time. Long boring story. I will spare you. But uh, I'm one of the 11.6 percent of the population in the U.S. that is diabetic, and diabetics and their feet. Uh, we have a long history of not getting along well. I'm pleased to report everything's fine. In fact, I'm going to break my mold here, and I'm going to give a shout-out to my doctor. Uh, my doctor, who is Dr. Merrill at Southern Oregon Foot and Ankle, they're on Barnett, did a wonderful job. I cannot say enough good about the doctor, his staff, and their office in general. This is not a commercial. I'm not getting paid for this, but uh, if you need a podiatrist, if you have foot and ankle issues, he's helped me out with things like gout, diabetic foot care, and as I've just mentioned, took off two toenails. I hardly knew they were gone. That really has helped me. It's been a week later. This happened last Monday. This week, not only does nothing hurt, I'm able to wear a shoe. So that's important. I, when you're dealing with yourself, keep yourself in good shape. And this leads me to a little bit of a health care talk. When you have toenails removed, there's about a two-week period, I'm halfway through it, that you have to deal with wound care. We do a lot of talk here on the program about our first aid and stopping bleeding and stabilizing someone. Okay, good, thank you, well done. Now what? Well, my wife is a nurse and she's got 25 years experience in wound care. And there's a science to it. I'm going to touch on it a little this week because we've got a f pretty full plate. And then next week, I'm going to actually put up a suggested list of things to have. This is not medical advice. We never give that. I'm just going to talk about what I'm using here and what works well for me. In dealing with these uh, scary looking toes, uh, my wife pulled out this, we have an impressive supply things here. Uh, we all have the rubber gloves, of course, the latex gloves. Individual tubes of simple saline. These are available to the general public. They're small. They're about the size of a shot, I would say. Uh, some Q-tips. Vet wrap. I found out vet wrap not only comes from like a half inch up to four inches, perhaps even bigger, but generally, you can go on Amazon, find vet wrap. And if you don't know what that is, the last time you had your blood drawn, they had that scritchy stuff that sticks to itself so you don't get a big piece of tape pulling all the hair off your arm. But it sticks, it holds, and it's comfortable. So we use vet wrap. The big thing that's kind of interesting is a selection of gauze pads. Two and four inch gauze pads. You can get them bigger, and it depends on the kind of work you do and the injuries you may come across. I think a six, six and eight is available. We'll find out more next week. And that's good for stopping the bleeding. Betadine is something that is fascinating. You can actually put this on a wound and to clean the area around it. If you've ever had surgery or any work done and you see they bring this kind of reddish stuff in and rub it on you, they're cleaning and disinfecting the area. And if you've got an open wound, you can use it to clean out any debris or anything that's bad. So uh, check with your doctor, by the way, to see if you are allergic to iodine. Uh, betadine is an iodine-type 
substance. So next time you see your doctor, your healthcare practitioner, see if you have any allergies. Naturally, on anything we talk about, always check with the doc. One final point, if you've got major wounds, major bleeding, and I'm talking like a gunshot wound, a stabbing, if you get poked on a piece of rebar, something really, really serious, and you've got a gusher, uh, those little two and four, maybe even a six inch pad isn't going to help you that much. It occurs to me, and I was discovered this twice in the reading, and my wife actually mentioned it. She said, you know, a sanitary pad works perfectly for a major bleeding incident. Because actually, a little research showed me that's what they were designed for, going back to World War One. So go ahead and don't feel bad about stopping the bleeding. Stop the bleed. That is a very, very important point. More on that coming up next week. And let's see. Okay, it's February. My gosh, already. And I am seeing changes in my lifestyle. There's both good news and some bad news. Let's look at the good first. Uh, in doing my own research, I see our jobless rate is down. The economy is picking up nicely. And inflation, which has caused prices to go, 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 is now steadily on a downward trend. These are all good things. It's taken a while for this to kick in because kind of on the bad news side of this point, stores have noticeably fewer products on display. I'll give you some examples. One of the larger sporting goods stores that I like to frequent has reduced the number of knives they have on display by 50%. They have the same number of those long, uh, delightful display cases. They simply put the items inside further apart. We're also seeing more uh, mid-price and low-price items. You're not seeing the top-of-the-line products. I would presume they're still available, but they're not there on display. They also had a whole, I was buying a solar battery for a family member, a uh, Gold Zero little 200-watt thing to put in the car, and they had one in stock, and it was on display, and so they sold me the display. Normally, you'd walk in, you'd find five or six of those. So stores have less money available to purchase products, and you may have to plan a little farther ahead, which I think is always a good idea anyway. And I do recommend shopping local whenever possible. One final example, I got two actually. Grocery stores have fewer products and more room on their shelf. Uh, we saw an entire aisle filled with paper towels and toilet paper. And I asked the, the person there, I said, excuse me, and they said, yeah, we didn't get our shipment of A, B, and C, but nobody likes to see empty shelves as kind of off-putting. Make and do with a difficult problem. That ice storm, as I mentioned, really caused a delay in shipping. Now, the most significant example of this, and I just report this because, frankly, I don't believe it, but I had people with me. It really happened. I went to a longtime favorite restaurant of ours. We were going to have a late lunch and found one employee in the entire building. Dirty dishes on the table, nobody in the kitchen, nobody bussing carts, none of that. There's one dude standing at the counter, dutifully seating people. Hi, how many? Three? Okay, come on in. 
They bring you a soda or a coffee or whatever, and that's the last you're going to see of him because he's dealing with all these other people. He is seated. And I don't know what was happening as far as food because nobody was eating anything because the kitchen was empty. I asked what happened, and they finally admitted, okay, business was so slow, corporate, we all know about corporate, they had cut most of the staff so they could stay open. But were they actually open? We paid for our sodas and left, and other people came in and looked around and left, and the people that had been sitting at the table the entire time we were in the building were gathering up and heading for the counter. They'd been seated, but then what kind of customer service is that? What kind of corporate leadership is that? Now, I know that I, I no longer have it, but I used to have a food handler's card. And during the, uh, don't ask me why, it's a long story. I had, uh, during the fire we had, we went to one of the places out there uh, off 140. And because of the fire, people weren't getting in to serve and we were dislocated we were in a restaurant and they needed help there was a waitress there was a person in the kitchen and that was it so i offered i said lady i'd be happy to help in the kitchen my wife will pour coffee i can bust tables we helped out for a good two hours until people showed up that's not g bill you're a great guy but that's making the best of a bad situation i think there has to be a plan b when it comes to dealing with a restaurant. Because if you're open, you're open. So, there is a reason those of us who are active preppers has doubled in some age group. Looking at these stories, looking at the power outages, 800,000 people in Southern California were without power. Disruptions in power, electricity, water filtration, sewage. Lots of things happening nobody's doing them on purpose. Nobody's, I mean, it's not like there's something you can control. Can't control the weather. You and your family are going to be involved. Look back on some of our earlier episodes. Remember, we're looking at being 30 days independent for each person in the home. And that's medicine, and that's water, and that's food, and if need be, air filtration, and self-defense, and forming a little community. We took a step here in our mobile home park where I live. We have taken the first steps. We do have a neighborhood watch, but that goes in the air quotes. We're working on it. Uh, Everybody's kind of keeping an eye out, but we're kind of formalizing it. I'm getting some two-way radios. I'm looking at uh, a phone tree, and we're going to be having a regular newsletter to keep people up to date. We're not forming a posse, a group of vigilantes. It's a bunch of old people looking out the window and calling 911, except for when it isn't. I'll just stop that point. Okay, it is a new month. That means a new roster of classes is available. You can, as I mentioned every week, go to the website and you will find the schedule of classes by, let's say you want to take the concealed carry class. You click, you look, click on the month of February when you go to book, and it'll show you it is the second Saturday of the month. That Then you Go ahead and order it. Now, you're not in the class until the check gets there. Just sending in the notice, you got to get a confirmation, and that includes some very helpful directions, tips, 
don't forget to bring a snack, that type of thing. We are an outdoor ranger, except for the concealed carry. Now, the concealed carry is held at the MRPC, Medford Rifle Pistol Club, and that's indoors with restrooms and heating and lights and all that kind of stuff. So lots of classes available again. Gift certificates, as always, available. And, of course, you're invited to stop on out to the range. And if you got some non-shooting friends, you know, if you got a group of non-shooters that are new, I would like to recommend that we get involved with the new shooter class the basic handgun safety class. Well, that's about all for this week. I'd like to apologize again. Real life got in the way of my fantasy life here. <laughs> so you be safe. Take care. Hope to see you out the range, either just for a, hmm, what's going on here? Maybe for a class or maybe for a good family target session. You be safe. Take care. See you next week. The preceding program was a presentation of Retired Guy Productions.